Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, hello and welcome back to the Optisport studio. It is post-match show for day four and it has been a huge day. And also welcome if you're listening to us on the Optisport football podcast what a massive match day four we have had. Firstly, with a Swedish steal, then a Dutch delight, and then a frightening game for France right now against Jamaica. So much to talk about. I'm Amy Duggan and joined by Heather Garriock and Jess McDonald as we run you through this massive day. Few shocks in there, a couple of great headers, red cards, so many cool things to talk about when it comes to football. But some disappointing performances from some big names as well. H, I want to go to you on your overview of the day. Yeah, look, I think um, I, I think in terms of the the underdogs, uh, we've seen some quality from the underdogs, such as uh, our recent game, Jamaica. I thought Jamaica really stepped up. I thought Sweden were were very very good uh, in terms of coming back after after being down uh, one nil to South Africa. Again, a really gutsy performance from South Africa. So, look, I, I think generally uh, for the day, it's uh, it's gone okay, but still that gap between the, the, the best teams or the top-ranked teams and the teams that, that, that we're not thinking that are going to do well, the gap is certainly closing up. Is it a psychological thing or is it actually that the gap is starting to close and we're starting to see more broader players around the world um, playing quality football in quality leagues? Yeah, I am very interested to know the answer to that question simply because, you know, I, I've said it quite a few times already today. These higher ranked teams, these most experienced teams, you never know what to expect now with a lower ranked team. You can't go in there thinking it's it's going to be a walk in the park. And so credit to Jamaica today. But it's it's been amazing World Cup so far. I mean, we've gotten all the drama so far, you know, at the <laughs> edge we? of our seats. It's late at night and I'm still at the edge of my seat right now after this Jamaica-France game. Yeah, I am buzzing after this one too. So let's dive right into Jamaica-France, seeing that it just finished. We can't quite believe the scoreline because France had enough chances to definitely put one away and they did everything they could. Headers galore, hit the post, but we have seen drama, drama, drama in this match. Yeah, most definitely. And, and look, it, it was a frantic performance from France. It was uh, not a structured performance. They started off structured and then um, the, the, their build-up wasn't too bad, but the, the, their last pass just wasn't quite there. That's a half chance from Lissima. And she would normally finish a goal um, and, and hit it far post. You got headers going over the bar. In terms of shots, shots on target, there was only very few shots on target for France. Well, it's the first time France has ever played out a nil-nil draw, Jess, in their 19 appearances, 19 games in the World Cup. See, that just shows the expectation that we have for France in front of goal. These are, you know, expected shots that they had in this game that we expect to go in and 
you know, obviously it's a shock that we, they weren't able to put one away, but credit to Jamaica. They were aggressive. They did everything they could. They they scratched, they clawed, I mean, through blood, sweat, and tears this game. You want That's to talk literal. about a battle? That's literal. Yeah, literally. <laughs> the, so, yeah. The thing that I was disappointed with France, we know France's style of football. We saw we saw glimpses of it, uh, glimpses of it um, a couple of weeks ago against Australia. We know they're a structured team, they're a possession-based team, they like to build up, they like to combine in the front third. I didn't see any combination play. I didn't see anyone dropping to the ball and making third-man runs. I didn't see any, any wall passes. I didn't see anything that was flary that we saw the DNA of France. And that's why I'm so disappointed. And I think this has been the ultimate question for France year upon year upon year upon year, is that they underperform. We had such high expectations of them in 2019 and they, they fell out. Uh, the Euros, a similar situation. I know they've changed coach since then and some of their stalwarts have come back in. But players that have been there for four World Cups now or at least two World Cups and have played together hundreds of games together should be able to put forward a better performance than this. Yeah, stringing more passes together. And, and that, that's that's what I couldn't quite see. I couldn't couldn't quite see four or five passes being able to um, pull the Jamaican defence down one side and be able to hit their di diagonal pass the other side. I didn't see that. And they, they, they tended to get into a tussle with Jamaica. And that suited Jamaica because they're physical and they, they, they are muscled. Um, France. Absolutely. And I would have liked to have seen France pick out players, especially in the box. You know, they're they're overhitting him, overhitting their crosses when they should underhit them, cut it back. You know, we didn't see a variety of crosses either in the final third, which is very unusual for France. Very unusual. It sure is. That's right. I tell you what was also unusual was the amount of scrapping. And you mentioned blood, sweat and tears. There was plenty of it out on the pitch and we saw three yellow cards during the game and then this fourth one which resulted in a massive talking point because Kadisha Shaw picked up a yellow earlier and at 90 plus two so in added time she is sent from the field now Kadisha Bunny Shaw is the pinpoint of this team yeah that's that's a huge loss for the reggae girls at the end of this game obviously she is a very important player for this team she is the heart of this team and so to lose a player like that let's see how jamaica is going to adjust moving forward into this next game that's just a dumb tackle absolutely it's, it's 90 plus two she's facing away uh, she's not going anywhere to have the ill discipline to do that and you've actually let your team down. And for a superstar that she is, and the expectation that the world has on her and the nation, Jamaica, it's just dumb. The first one I thought was a little bit soft. She stood on her foot. The second one, it's a trailing leg that catches the French player. So you're right, two silly mistakes, two reckless moments that have now cost Jamaica potentially points as they move forward because they play Panama, Panama. next. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's head down to the sidelines of the Sydney Football Stadium because Tanya Oxby and Bree Holden have been, well, they've been fighting the wet weather down there. But was it as brutal down there as it looked from here? Yeah, Amy, the weather was brutal and at times the football was definitely brutal as well. A really unexpected result, but definitely a physical encounter. Tanya, I mean, it's Jamaica's first point in a World Cup, but the talking point in some ways is really how unexpected this French performance was. Yeah, I thought they wasted 45 minutes of football. I thought their first half was, it lacked control. Um, they didn't switch the ball quickly enough. They they weren't picking out passes. I thought they played right into Jamaica's hands. And 
was really disappointing and they didn't kind of get going until even in the second half it was it was still probably not a performance we would have expected but it, at least in the last 10 minutes they really sort of threw the kitchen sink at it if you like. Yeah, I mean, what was the crucial turning point for France? Because as you said, it wasn't until around the 85th minute that we started seeing shots coming in thick and fast. I thought Dali, uh, for me, probably should have started. I think she brings the quality in that midfield and starts to really progress the ball, which is what they lacked in the first half. And when she came on, she injected a little bit of quality. But, yeah, it's just not good enough. Like, for me, for a team that has the amount of quality that France has, they didn't control the game enough for me. And... It's all good and well putting balls into the box and we sp we've already spoken in the studio about the crossing and, and the areas that they look to exploit but just wasn't enough control in the performance for me. And we saw on the sideline Herb Reynard was really just going off for most of the match as well. You said that was unexpected from a coaching perspective. I mean, how frustrated do you have to get to that stage? Yeah, it's probably not a side I've seen of him before. I'm not saying that he doesn't have that um, in him because clearly he does but... You know, the times that I've seen him, he's been very calm on the sideline and very cool. And you could see that he was getting a little bit frustrated. But that's a, that's a sign of the way that Jamaica played. You know, they made the game really scrappy. They made it really bitty. And at the end of the day, like, they got no rhythm. And, they, and, and you could see that from the sideline. They were even frustrated with that. Yeah, Jamaica sort of sucked France into playing into their style. Now, I did want to stand here and talk to you about how Khadija Shaw managed to pull some fouls and really break down play. But instead... We have to talk about that red card and really where this leaves Jamaica's attack going forward and how they can build on this point. I agree with the comments in the studio. I thought it was unnecessary um, and probably lacked a little bit of discipline. It's really disappointing because they had such an amazing opportunity going into their next game and she's so important for them. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they readjust to losing their main focal point. And um, yeah, it's a shame because actually it takes the gloss off what was a fantastic performance from them. Now, you were calling for Dali to come on. You already touched on the impact that she had. But for France going forward, if they are to pull off a win in the group in the next game, is she key to starting? I would start her. I would start her. But I think the key for France's next performance is about controlling the ball, um, double switches, making sure that players are getting into positions to start to disrupt lines because... They didn't really cause Jamaica all that many problems in the first half. They were, they were able to sit there, lock them off, and they didn't switch. They got funneled down one side, and it was, uh, it was hard on the eye at times. And um, so going forward, how does Group F look for you? I mean, for me, France is still in the driving seat. Um, they need to put in a, a better performance in their next game for sure, but um, I, would still expect, I would still expect them to go through and top the group, but they're going to have to perform better than they did tonight. Tanya, it's Heather back in the studio. I uh, just wanted to ask you a question, given you guys were pitch side, and you touched on it slightly, but if you can go into more detail. Just about Herb Renard, how was he? He seemed very animated every time it, uh, the, the camera panned to him. Was he, um, was he emotionally stable? Was he coaching from the sideline? How <laughs> was he? Because it, that, that was quite interesting for me. Was he coaching? Yeah, he... He was up and about. I, I was quite high up, so I couldn't actually kind of hear what, what he was saying. But he was definitely up and about and a lot more busy on the touchline than I've seen him previously. So I think, um, you know, for him, he might need to reflect on that as well and see how much impact he has from the sideline because I thought at times maybe they needed a little bit more input and a little bit more kind of guidance. All right, Tanya and Bree, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for your input. I hope you can get dry and get inside now. Enjoy your evening. Jess, I'm going to come to you off the back of that because we've heard our pundits' comments sideline, but 
France is still in this and, and we talked about the group and originally I think when we looked at all the groups it was an easy split of who's going through and who's not going through but it's not so clear cut now is it? No, not at all. It, you know you have no idea what to expect now moving forward. So I think if France just comes as a collective, watch film, see what they did wrong, move on from this game and do better than next because that's the expectations that they're, that they're going to have to have for, their, for themselves. All right, let's take a look at the full-time statistics. Uh, they will tell us a little bit of a story. Won't change the scoreline though, Heather. No, it certainly won't. Look at look at the, the passes um, attempted. You know, obviously France had the majority of the possession, but in saying that, um, I, I think the, the biggest thing, um, corners, they're they, they very, very good. We spoke about their set plays, how good that, that they are, uh, 12 to two. Fouls against, there's like 25 fouls within the game. We spoke about how, how dirty it was. Um, but in terms of the recovery time, uh, France did recover the ball quicker, but they didn't do anything with the final pass. The one that stands out for me, of course, is the red card, Jess, because in 2019, <laughs> there were only four red cards in the entire tournament. We've already seen three in the first round of the group games. Yeah, and, you know, some from African nations, one obviously from one of the reggae girls, one of the important important players in this tournament, you know, and, you know, I had to point it out earlier. I'm like, oh, all oh, black women. Oh, great. <laughs> Zambia, <laughs> Nigeria yeah. and Jamaica for the record. All right. Well, uh, as we said, Jamaica has picked up their first ever point at a Women's World Cup. Let's hear from their coach, Lauren Donaldson. Coach, describe the emotions you're feeling right now. I can't hear you. Describe the emotions you're feeling right now. I tell you what, no, I, I'm happy for the girls, you know. It's only one game. We have, a, we have a long way to go. But to start out like this is fantastic. I'm very, very happy for the girls. Do you think Jamaica has shown their potential in this game? Do you think Jamaica has shown their potential? Yeah, we show some stuff, but the only thing about it is our, our, our number one player now has a red card, so we've got to make some more adjustment. But that's us, you know. We're a very resilient type of group, and we find a way to, to sort that out. I tell you what, she was like a warrior, huh? I, I mean, she's been training for this. She, she, she hardly took a break after her season. She just wanted to get right back into it. And I saw that in Jamaica, and I got a word. I said, Becky, are you doing too much? And she, and she said, no, I'm ready. But she was fantastic. And what will you take forward going into the next game? Well, we got to just keep getting points. Okay? As I said, it's three games. We just try to accumulate points and try to get, get ourselves in a good position. Thank you. How proud he must be. The first points at a Women's World Cup. And it just shows second time around you're a little bit better, H. Yeah, absolutely. And he should be proud. And I think several players stepped up. He spoke about Drew Spence from Tottenham. How good was she? Um, but not, not only her, but just the whole team. I loved how the whole team come together and the way they celebrated at the end. And he's saying, we've still got a long way to go. How nice is that? Yeah, it's wonderful. All right, let's uh, stay with Group F, but turn our focus to the other participants in that group. That is Brazil and Panama. We have a massive Monday coming up for you. This one coming your way at 8.30 on Monday night. How awesome will it be to see the Queen back out there, H? Oh, Queen Marta. <laughs> um, six Women's World Cups, uh, Certainly an idol of mine. In fact, I think all three of us may have played against her. Yep. Is that yeah, right? Sounds That's right. how long she's been around. Yeah. And <laughs> her tantalising speed, her nous on the ball, her flair when she'd motor past you. 
What an incredible human. Um, obviously advocates for women's rights. Um, someone that's been uh, in the game for many, many years, but a legend of the game. And I can't wait to see her and how Brazil go this tournament because I'll tell you what, they'll be doing it for Marta. Absolutely. I'm super stoked to watch this woman play once again. You know, she is honestly a machine. She came back from an ACL injury and when she came back with her club, Orlando Pride, literally, it's as, as if she's, she hasn't even missed a step. So that just shows you how incredible of an athlete, of a footballer, Marta truly is. So I'm also excited to see what color lipstick she's going to be wearing this game as well. <laughs> this is very true. It was a feature of the 2019 World Cup. Let's have a look at them training right now. Let's talk about uh, what they're going to look like when they hit the pitch tomorrow night. Uh, it won't be like this with the table. <laughs> no, exactly. But this is, this is proper Brazilian style. It's tic-a-tac-a football um, in, all in small-sided games. Their, their warm-up is proper for all the kids at home watching their warm-up, exactly what we do as, as, as kids. Um, everything's choreographed um, and everything's all about games and having fun with the ball. One of the only teams to participate in all nine Women's World Cups. Jess, it says something about the quality that we see out on the pitch. Absolutely. I love... What I love most about, you know, football globally is how beautiful different cultures just play. And Brazil is one of those teams that just play with some flair. They play happy football. They play beautiful football. They have their own style. And it's been an amazing journey to sit and, and watch it, watch them play that, you know, with a smile on their face. You know, Marta's dancing on the ball. Dabinha's dancing on the ball. You know, and I, I can't wait to see that type of football being played by this Brazilian side. I can't wait to see her here in Australia. Yeah, I know. We've seen her in Australia before. But um, arguably, uh, Brazil are flying under the radar. Mm. And particularly because often they don't normally get the results out of major competitions. It's funny that you say that, though, because they always win their opening match. Yes, but because most of the Brazilian players play out in clubs mm. and Brazil um, National Federation always organises games not in the FIFA window, so that they, they can't come back. But when it comes to major tournaments, they always, always rise to the occasion. Match day minus three tomorrow. So they are recovering and in preparation for their second match against Nigeria in Brisbane. We're going to go now to Mark Schwarzer and Amy Chapman for an update from Matilda's camp. We're back at the Matilda's camp for the first time um, after their day off. And obviously they had a bit of a luxury today. They had a, a local girls team that came to, to see them. It's quite a unique experience for them, really, wasn't it? Yeah, they seemed really relaxed and bubbly today. Uh, it was great to see quite a number of fans out here getting to meet and greet their, their role models. And they've obviously had that travel day back from Sydney, back in their base camp here in Brisbane. They had that day off you spoke about. Some went to spend time with families, others out on a boat. Uh, they said they've been watching a ton of football as well, but they certainly looked relaxed. So we saw some of the girls come out and some of them were in boots, of course, doing their normal training session, which was Tamika Yallop, which was good to see her back on the football pitch. But more interestingly, we saw Alana Kennedy and Claire Hunt in trainers. Is there any reason to be concerned? Yeah, I don't think necessarily concerned. Obviously, they're a few days away still from um, that from their next game. And obviously, they've got a seven-day break in between games, which is it's quite luxurious, really, for a tournament mode. But both uh, Claire Hunt and Alana Kennedy both played 90 minutes. And Alana hasn't played 90 in a long time. So I think that's more of a, a load management than it is any kind of concern. And obviously the one person that everyone wants to know about is Sam Kerr and how she is going. Um, we saw her moving around a little bit. We saw her walking across to the fans. Did you see a limp at all? 
I didn't see a limp personally, and I thought actually the fans were probably a solid two, three hundred metres away. And of course, if they were really worried about her, they'd be keeping her, you know, indoors, legs up. But absolutely, she looked like she was bubbly out there, walking around. No limp that I could see. Certainly hard to speculate on when we will see her back, but. Um, yeah, she, she was there or thereabouts today. So what happens now in the next couple of days for the Matildas in preparation for that Nigeria game? Well, I think they'll start building up the tempo in their training sessions. Today was just getting the legs out there, sh shaking them off, getting back into the rhythm of things. Tomorrow will be more of a tactical analysis for them. They'll look at Nigeria's strengths and they'll look at how to try and nullify those and, of course, build up into how they're going to actually get the three points in this game. Well, it's not long now until the, the game against Nigeria. And, of course, we'll be back here in the Matildas camp uh, tomorrow. And we're really looking forward to this game that comes up in a couple of days' time. Mark Schwarzer and Amy Chapman with the latest from Matilda's camp. Jesse, never liked to see big stars sitting out. Never. You know, when it's, when it's really the heart of your team, you know, you're missing that key piece that you rely on so much, especially in, in, in critical moments of games. So I think it's a really good test for any team, really, to see what they can do without their star. And honestly, the Matildas, they stepped up to the plate. They got the three points without Sam Kerr. Let's see what they do coming this next game. Yeah, look, I think um, we, know, we don't need to worry that uh, Claire Hunt and Alana Kennedy, our two centre-backs, are, are, are sitting out for this one training session. We're days away from the Nigeria game. Um, just to provide some context, Alana Kennedy, that's her first probably 90 minutes for many months now. Uh, she did a great job. Uh, she was cramping towards the end of the game, which you'd, you'd probably expect, given it was such a high-intensity game. Someone like a Claire Hunt, she hasn't played this intensity football ever. So she's played a few... A few she's several, still less than 10 caps. Yeah, she's, she's played in less, less than 10 caps. So to rest them, for them to put their feet up, it's going to be a long, long tournament for Tony Gustafsson. That's what he's probably thinking. That's probably why they're, they're resting. So no alarm bells. No alarm bells. Well, let's see if Tamika Yallop agrees with you because Optus went one-on-one -on -one with Tamika about Sam's injury and her leadership. Sam, Sam, I think it's a, it's a massive tournament to be here at home, so she's obviously um, upset and for it to happen the, the day before the opening game is obviously quite upsetting too, but um, at the same time she's been amazing around the group and um, as much as we're supporting her, she's supporting us, but she's still got time and, and we're obviously trying to win and get out of the group stage for her and um, yeah, I think we'll still see her this tournament. I think we've decided that she's going to sit at opposite ends now because she talks my ear off. Um, but no, I think, I think that's just her anyway. She's, um, she likes to analyse the game and, and is always the first to give tips and help, um, help out as well. So um, for her, I think it was just processing the game and seeing how she could help from the bench. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Earlier in the day on Match Day 4, Sweden and South Africa faced off. And at one stage, Heather Garrick and Jess McDonald, I thought we were in for a one mighty upset. Well, uh, South Africa started off really, really well and, and shocked um, Sweden. I think Sweden were caught off guard and they were 1-0 down in the, in the, first, uh, the second half, uh, two minutes after the second half. So this goal from um, Magea, um, 
it come in behind, of course, and then, then a great little finish, you know. Goalkeeper probably could have saved it. Then she got smashed into the back of the net and hurt herself and had to come off. Arm. Yeah, exactly. And so, but the, the tenacity and the the, the desire. It, I loved how South Africa played. Very different to what what they have done in the past. Look at the celebrations. <laughs> they sat and played a transition game and caught Sweden off guard constantly. It's got to make you smile just to see that ball go in and the celebration. Oh, absolutely. I love happy football. I love the celebrations. But, you know, you got to feel bad at some point. This was this was one of the first games this tournament so far where I actually felt bad for a team. I felt bad for South Africa with this loss because, you know, they they played so well. They made it very difficult for Sweden today. And so that that was like a, a proud game for South Africa coming in as the underdogs, not expecting to do much. But, you know, credit to Sweden to come back. Honestly, they were down one nil and they come back to get the three points and win two to one. What a what a phenomenal header from Amanda Ilstadt. A beautiful delivery. 89th minute and a beautiful delivery, of course. 89th minute, and that is a get-out-of-jail-free card for Sweden. Sweden snatching the victory 2-1. And now Optusport reporter Norel Sindos was at the match and filed this report for us. A 90th minute header proved to be the difference here in some trying conditions at Wellington Regional Stadium. Sweden had to claw their way back from 1-0 down to defeat South Africa who really gave them a run for their money. They broke the deadlock through Magaya early in the second half becoming just the second ever player from South Africa to score at a World Cup. But Sweden, look, they are the third best team in the world for a reason and despite not being at their best they found a way through to win this match 2-1 and go to the top of Group G. Now two nations watching this match closely would have been Italy and Argentina. They go head to head tomorrow afternoon at Eden Park. The other two nations of course in this group. Now for Italy they want to better that performance from 2019 where they reach the quarterfinals. But for Argentina this is their fourth time here and they still are yet to win a match at a World Cup. Something they'll be out to change. Thank you so much, Narelle. Italy, Argentina, that's mouth-watering, delicious, something I'm looking forward to. Massive nations, two very, very massive footballing nations. Argentina have won a match. We've just heard that from, from Narelle. However, again, they've got four years under their belt from their last World Cup. They've got some quality players that play all around the world. I think they'll be really, really good. And then we've got... Well, I was waiting for Joe Montemuro to just flash in the door so I could get the inside goss on Italy because... I'm really excited to see them play. Obviously, uh, they were hurtful to Australia in the last World Cup, but they've had a great league for a few years now, and I'd like to see how far that's come. Absolutely. They're one of those teams that, you know, you watching one of their games, it's a nail-biting game. You know, they always go into these games as this underdog and underdog mentality, and they fight and they scrap, almost like what you see from Jamaica you know, against France today. And so I, I think you're going to see a little bit of scrappiness from Italy and a little bit of, you know, Italian flair too on the ball. So I'm actually really excited for this game. It's going to be very entertaining. The Netherlands and Portugal facing off earlier in front of an action-packed crowd. Ended up 1-0, but Portugal absolutely did themselves proud. Jess McDonald and Heather Garrick, your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, look... Um We've spoken before about how good Portugal were going to be and it was going to be a tough, tough ask for, for the Dutch to overcome them by several goals. I think um, we alluded to the fact that uh, Portugal have got um, something like 18 players out of their 23 players that play in their domestic league um, 
and obviously from a camaraderie and being able to train and, and prepare for big tournaments like this, um, we thought they'd be great. And they did really, really well. Um, defensively, they were good. Um, they held their shape, but just couldn't, couldn't hold the press. Athletically, they weren't good enough. And the Dutch, on the other hand, well, they scored off a, off a fabulous uh, set play, a corner. Uh, Van de Graat had scored, which is a really great finish, yes. Absolutely, world-class finish, obviously very much so needed for the Dutch to obviously help seal the deal. Portugal was very difficult to break down for them, and there were a couple more chances that Netherlands could have put away, but, you know, they'll still take the three points going into this next game. Originally called offside, went to VAR, and the, the play that's standing in the goal there deemed not to interfere with the play. So Stephanie uh, van der Graut's 13th minute header, her 13th goal for Holland. Nine of them have been headers. So watch out on set pieces. Next time you play, there's a little bit of inside analysis for you from around the table. Uh, Group E, of course, this is all part of. And as we have a look at Group E, USA sitting on top, but only by a goal difference now after beating Vietnam, the Netherlands and Portugal second and third. Two finalists in that group and two debutantes in that group. And we talked about this earlier. It should be simple on paper, but it's not as easy as you think. No, not at all. And I, I, I'm going to pass over the baton to you, Jess. USA versus the Dutch. What are your thoughts on that game? Oh, I can't wait. You know, obviously <laughs> the Dutch, they're, they're going to want to have some revenge. They're going to have, you know, a little bit more spark than they probably did in the final just to, you know, try and beat the USA simply because they have something to prove at this point. You know, I mean, it's the World Cup. And to be honest, you never know what's going to happen. But, you know, I, I have to stand with my girls and we're going to come into every game with every bit of confidence that, you know, the United States usually comes into major tournaments with. That's unusual for you you guys. <laughs> to back each other. <laughs> the, the Yanks, to we call it. Yeah, of course. You guys think you're going to win even when you're down. That's what I love about you guys. No, absolutely. Yeah. There's no giving up. It is a great trait to yeah, have. All is. right, we're going to move on to Group H because coming up tomorrow on our Massive Monday, it's also Germany and Morocco. This one coming your way at 6pm. It's our first look at Germany this tournament. One of the teams I'm excited about and also worried about. Yeah, look, led by um, who other than Alexander Pop, uh, Germany are going to be one of the contenders for this Women's World Cup. We saw it in the Euros. We saw how good they were. The thing that they have over and above everybody else is their stamina throughout the tournament and their depth throughout the tournament. So I'm really excited to see Germany play. I, th I think they're uh, flying under the radar. Absolutely. And I think that pop was such a huge loss for them in the Euro Championship. So that was obviously devastating for them. So just crossing my fingers that, you know, she's able to stay healthy this tournament because she is a very fun player to watch, you know, from striker to another striker. I think that she's going to be absolutely fabulous for Germany this year. And a fabulous platform too for Morocco, the first Arabic nation to qualify for a Women's World Cup. So making history of their own. Let's go now to Adriano Del Monte, who will be at the match on Monday. Group H gets underway in Melbourne. It's a David V. Goliath battle. It's Germany up against Morocco. Germany, the number two ranked nation in the world. Two-time FIFA Women's World Cup winners. They've been at every tournament 
that has come before us. Morocco, they're at their first ever tournament, but they're coming in with some very good form. Surprising finalists in the Women's African Cup of Nations 12 months ago. They lost the final in front of 50,000 fans against South Africa on home soil. But this time around, renewed energy off the back of their men's team doing exceptionally well in Qatar. Can they bring that same energy here in their opener against Germany? A player to watch for Morocco, Gislaine Shebak, the captain, the most capped player, the top goal scorer, and the player of the tournament at the Women's African Cup of Nations on home soil 12 months ago. She will certainly have to bring it if they are to have any chance against the Germans because they are highly rated and many's tip to go on and win the tournament, including mine. A player to watch for Germany. There are many, many stars indeed. But Lena Magul, the Bayern Munich superstar, an underrated one to certainly keep a close eye on. A real talent in midfield. She scored in Germany's defeat in the Euro final to England 12 months ago. One of many key players to keep an eye on for this Germany team. It's Germany up against Morocco, 6.30 p.m. And Standard Time kickoff in Melbourne. Well, we have a massive, massive Monday coming up for you tomorrow. It all starts as Italy takes on Argentina from Eden Park, that one at 3 pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. And then Germany and Morocco, our coverage begins from 6 pm, followed by Brazil and Panama. Our first chance to take a look at Marta in her final World Cup. Coverage on that one coming your way from 8.30pm. Welcome back to our post-match game. Heather Garriock and Jess, your final thoughts on tomorrow, which match you're most looking forward to first? I'd love to see Germany. I want to see Germany play. I want to see how fluid they are. I know they're playing against Morocco. I think Morocco will be OK. Um, I'll watch them in their qualification period. I want to see Germany play, though, at World Cup football. We're still waiting for a debut nation to score. Jess, your pick of the matches tomorrow. Um, I am definitely looking forward to Brazil. I have always looked up to Brazil, even as a little girl, apart from the United States, of course. But I'm, I'm super stoked to watch them play this tournament. Well, we certainly look forward to a massive Monday. That is it from us here tonight in the studio and on our Optusport podcast. Jess McDonald, Heather Garriock, thank you so much for your company. We'll see you guys tomorrow.